0: So we're going to start something different this morning, uh, and probably look at this topic, uh, Lord willing, I think through probably most of the rest of the year, I want to talk about, uh, so kind of putting a new theme over what we're talking about. And I want to talk about changing your world. How many of you have something in your life that you would like to see change just one thing or a, a hundred and things or <laughs> big things, small things, raise your hand again. How many of you want to have something in your life change? Uh, changing your world, but doing it from the inside out. Um, you know, it's always been interesting to me that the early Christians, even the disciples of Jesus, did not have access to the scriptures like we do today. Um, and the early Christians, especially some of the Christian mystics, talked about the book of creation. And what they meant by that was that uh, God had embedded his sort of his DNA, his, his blueprints, his likeness, if you will, into creation. It's one of the reasons in Genesis one, the creation story is told the way that it is. If you think about it, the spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. Right. So there's water. And the first thing he says is light be. So what happens when light hits water? It reflects, right? So if he's hovering over it, it's reflecting him. And then he molds it and shapes it, gives it form and fills it. So the point is, is that all of creation declares the glory of God. The psalmist said that, right? So when Jesus is teaching his disciples, very often he doesn't quote scripture. In fact, he almost seldom, very, very seldom when he's teaching, does he actually quote the scriptures. Now he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying more often than not, he told stories. And oftentimes he told parables that were connected to creation, right? So, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking to us about worry, talking to us about something in our inner life, and he's telling us not to worry, he doesn't give us a scripture. He doesn't say, you know, God is your shield and your light and your salvation in Psalm 27.1, so you shouldn't worry. He doesn't say in Psalm 91 that you abide under the shadow of the Most High and all that stuff. He doesn't point to that. Instead, he points to a different book. He points to what the Christian mystics called the book of creation, right? And he says, don't worry. He said, look at the sparrows. Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor toil nor reap nor store in barns. But yet they are provided for, Right. And then he says, look at the lilies of the field. Uh, they, Solomon in all of his glory was never clothed as great as the lilies of the field. And so he's encouraging them by saying, if you want to understand life, if you want to understand the nature of God, you can look at creation and that will help you. Right? Now, one of the things that's really interesting when he says, don't worry, he said the sparrows are provided for, the, the lilies of the field are provided for. One of the things that's really interesting to me in that uh, is that One of the things that creation teaches us is that God created the world to support life, to support needs. And then he goes on, he says, if if God so takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how will he not much more take care of you? Right. Because you're of much more value than a sparrow. So he invites them to increase in their self-worth. So see how he's using creation to touch the inner person. Don't worry, increase in your self-worth, and you get all this knowledge and all this understanding from creation, right? So I want to look at another parable today, when we talk about changing our world, from the Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And it's very simple, you can turn to it, or you can just let me read it to you. In fact, I just suggest that you just listen, and let me read it to you. Because that's how the disciples of Jesus would have seen it, or heard it, right? Experienced it. In verse 26, it says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man, a man, not God, a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how all by itself. The soil produces grain. Just say that with me all by itself. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle in because the harvest has come. Right? So, here's first point. Everything in creation that has life is built to reproduce. Everything. It's built to reproduce and it's built to replenish with itself. Everything reproduces and everything reproduces after its own kind, from little amoebas <laughs> to uh, all the insects. I mean, think about life. Think about how massive just the insect kingdom is, right? And then you throw in the animal kingdom, you throw in the, the sea life, and all that stuff that's there, everything that has life, has the ability to create. It has creativity, and it has uh, survival instincts, and it has the ability to reproduce, right? Right? Now, remember, Jesus isn't just talking about physical realities. He's talking about inward realities when he's doing these things as well, right? Especially when he talks about the kingdom, because he said the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is within you in Luke chapter 17, right? So if, if, so, here's the point. So if bugs reproduce and shrimp reproduce and cockroaches reproduce and birds reproduce and flowers reproduce and weeds reproduce, how much more can you reproduce something that you want in your life with you being in the image of God and much more valuable than the cockroaches? Get it? So you have an incredible amount of untapped potential to be able to change anything you want to in your life to be able to give birth to anything you want to in your life and to transform anything that you want to in your life. And so that's got to be the starting place for us is we've got to believe it's it's like the man who sows seed. So how then do we sow seeds. So here's my presupposition, because this is all over in the Scriptures. I'll just give you one more reference. Galatians 6, I think, verse 10. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. In the Phillips translation, it says it this way. A man's harvest in life is totally determined by the seed that he sows. So what are the seeds that we sow? I think it's pretty obvious, but let's do it this way. Your thoughts are seeds. Your feelings are seeds. The way you use your imagination is seed. Your words are seeds and your actions are seeds. All of those things are energetic connections that have the, that have life in them and power and substance and the ability to reproduce. They have energetic connections. If you think about it, your energetic connection, the way you express energy in this physical world is through your words, primarily through your words and through your actions. If there's another way to do it, I don't know. <laughs> Just two. Very simple, right? But you're also connected to invisible things. You're connected to God. You're connected to heaven. You're connected to the angels. You're connected to, uh, unfortunately, darker powers <laughs> at times. And And... That happens through your thoughts, that happens through your feelings, that happens through your imagination. So it's, in, it's, it's that inner person that connects energetically to the invisible world. Now, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11 about creation, that God made what was seen not out of nothing. The church got it wrong somewhere in their theology, because as Christians we believe, I mean this basic orthodox theology, I'm a heretic, I'll just let you know that right now, but I'm biblical, Because theologians will tell you Christian theology is this. That God created things ex nihilo. Has anybody ever heard that statement? It means out of nothing. That God created it ex nihilo, out of nothing. But the scriptures say something different. The scriptures in Hebrews 11 say that the things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. Or in other words, God took an invisible substance to create everything that was seen. So the invisible precedes the visible. So the only way you can really change your life is from the inside out. Because you have to make those energetic connections in the invisible world. And those energetic connections in the invisible world are made through your thinking, made through your feelings, and made through your imaginations. And it has to precede your words and your actions in order to produce. Does that make sense? That's why it's so important, and that's why it's so powerful to think that you can change your life, anything in your life, from the inside out. One thing, I woke up with this word from the Lord this morning, just over and over in my spirit this morning. Take the limits off, he keeps telling me. Take the limits off. Think about it. What, how have you limited yourself in your thinking? How have you limited yourself in your believing or in your feelings or, or created boxes or barriers or limitations for yourself just in the way that you think? And those things are energetic, right? So you're connecting to stuff that's creating limitations. So you're actually sowing your own limitations into your life by the way you're thinking, feeling, and imagining. The story that you're telling yourself over and over about your life. The story that you're telling yourself inside over and over about who you are. All that stuff is 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 forming you in a limited place. And one of the great things about the gospel, one of the great things about the power of God and the Holy Spirit and the teachings of Jesus Christ is that it empowers us to break out of those boxes and invites us to live life in a much higher, much more capable, much more powerful frame of existence. Uh, I'm... Hello, church. It really is true. And it's a lot more simple than we make it out to be. So I want to focus on a couple of things this morning just to help us to get really, really practical. And the first thing I want to do, want to say is that the key to starting this process of changing what you want to change in your world is you have to have a strong set intention. A strong set intention. Think about it in life. How much do you actually do with real conscious intention? How many conversations do you engage in? I mean, just engaging in a conversation. One of the things that, you know, this church is going to miss with my mom and her passing, we had so many people, I mean hundreds and hundreds, of people that were part of our church, you know, 10 years ago and moved away, or 15 moved away, or whatever, moved on to something else, sending us messages and saying, your mom was always the first person to talk to me when I came into church. She, she was always the first one to greet me. And, you know, it wasn't just because she was such a nice, wonderful lady. My mom, that was her intention. That was her reason for being in church. Was she, she intended to touch everybody. She intended to make everybody feel at home. And so we got that fruit. Those were seeds. And so we got the fruit of that back in our life from the power of her intention. Very simple. Just, I'm gonna engage a person with intention. I'm gonna engage a conversation with intention. Knowing what I want to accomplish. It's its absolutely the beginning, and it's so powerful, yet it's something that we miss. Let me, let me read you this. One of my favorite quotes. If I can, geez. <clears throat> my eyesight, I intend for my eyesight to stay healthy and normal. <laughs> Quote by WH Murray it says until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. A whole stream of events, issues from this decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no man could have dreamt would come his way. From issuing from the decision. See, here's the reality. God doesn't just have one plan for us. God doesn't just have one thing for us. I don't know how some of us got locked into this idea that there's just one thing. There's one perfect mate. There's one perfect job. There's one uh, perfect will of God that we're somehow we're trying to find. That's like that's like Jesus saying, "See that sparrow? There's one worm out there. <laughs> there's one worm out there that's really going to feed that sparrow and, and satisfy him and nourish him, right?" No, there's, there's tons of worms out there. I mean, there's lots of potential for eating for that sparrow. Do you, you, you see what I'm saying? So if, if God did that for the sparrows, how much more does He do that for us? Right? And so here's the reality. As, 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 as co-creators with God, as sons and daughters of God, as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, we exist every moment of our lives in a tremendous sea of possibilities and potential outcomes. It's true. It's true just on a basic level. You can decide tomorrow to change something about your life. You can decide to change your hair, ladies. You can decide to change uh, what you have for breakfast. You can decide you want to move to a different city. You can decide uh, you want to take up scuba diving. Right? Endless sea of potential possibilities and potentialities out there for us. And that's not even supernatural stuff. That's just basic stuff, right? Right? But we get stuck in the same patterns, repeating the same things over and over and over, mostly unconsciously, without any set intention in our life. And so I'm not just talking about, you know, kind of flippantly setting your intention, saying, well, I think this year I'd like to go to Spain. And I think this year I'd like a little more money. And I think this year I'd like to be healthy. And I think this year I'd like for God to do something to fix up Julie, make her better. (laughs) I'm kidding. kidding. She knows I'm kidding. Uh, You you see what I'm saying? So here's the point. Decision, decision, sounds a little bit like incision, doesn't it? What's an incision? It's a cut in, right? You know what a decision is? It's to cut something off. So here's the reality. We exist in this endless sea of possibilities, but until we cut off some of those possibilities, we haven't really set an intention. Right? You do it every time you go to a restaurant. Every time you go to your favorite restaurant where they have more than one meal that you like. Unless you're just one of those people that you just stay in your lane, man. <laughs> you just meat and potatoes and that's it. I don't know. There's some of you out there like that. It sounds boring to me, but... But, I mean, you open up that menu and you think, well, I could have, I mean, there's possibilities, right? Potentialities. I could have a slopper today. I could have a a green chili smothered burrito. I could have a bowl of chili. I could have a French dip sandwich. I could have the chicken fried steak, right? And it all sounds good because I'm really hungry. But I have to make a decision. I have to cut off all of So then here comes the waitress or the waiter, and I say, this is what I'm going to have. And the moment I did that, I cut off every other possibility but this one. Do you see what I'm saying? That is a set intention. That's a commitment. That's, this is what I want to have. This is what I'm going to have. And the moment you make a commitment to it, according to W.H. Murray, stuff begins to happen. But not just according to W.H. Murray, but also according to your scriptures. Let me read you something from Job. Uh, if I can find Job. (laughs) It's a big book. My marker wasn't in the right place. Job 22. It's one of my favorite verses, passages of Scripture. Job 22 and verse 26. It says, Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty, and you will lift up your face to God. You will pray to Him, and He will hear you, and you will fulfill your vows. What you decide on will be done, and light will shine on your ways. What you decide on will be done, and light will shine on your ways. So here's the point. Until you set your intention, there's no light to know how to get there. Until you make the decision. See, we do it backwards. We're, we really are trained to do it backwards. Because if I'm going to make an important decision, or, or I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to make a list of the pros and the cons. (laughs) Then I'm going to talk to some people, people I trust, people I respect, people that I think can give me good counsel, and so I'm going to go talk to them. And then when I think I've got all the facts and all the information, and I've got a plan, then I'm going to decide. But according to the Bible, you're doing that totally in the dark. And actually what you're doing is you're reinforcing the idea of limitation because what the pros and cons are not reality. Pros and cons are what you think. You're not dealing with reality when you're writing down what's the benefit of this decision, what's the, what's the problem with this decision. You're dealing with the reality of how you think. You're dealing inside your own box based on your own thinking, feeling, and imaginations and personal history. So, how can you break out of where you've been by making decisions that way? All you're going to do is perpetuate more of what you do, because it's a byproduct of your thinking of all those energetic connections. And then, if you're big into getting counsel, then you invite other people's boxes, like yours wasn't constricting enough. So, I'm going to go ask Tina. Sorry, Tina, but I'm going to go. I respect Tina, want her opinion, so I'm going to ask Tina what she thinks. So now I've got Tina's box. <laughs> Right? And I'm gonna go ask Rob, Rob, what do you think? And now I've got Rob's box. Do you, do you see, you see how all that can work? And really, in the Bible, it never worked that way. Think about the story of blind Bartimaeus. You remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? He's just on the side of the road and he's crying out, uh, Jesus is passing by and he's crying out, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd tells him to shut up. <laughs> And so he cries out more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. They said, no, 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 be quiet. Keep keep your voice down. He cries out even more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, right? So they said, well, be of good cheer. You know, the Master is calling you. So they, they bring blind Barnabas over to Jesus, and he asks him this question, what do you want? Isn't that interesting? I mean, shouldn't it be obvious? I mean, if it was Aaron Tomlinson Healing Ministries... Or New Day Church Healing Ministries, we build well, it's obvious that he wants to receive his sight. We wouldn't even ask. We'd just start praying, Lord, (laughs) give him his sight in Jesus' name. (laughs) But not Jesus. Jesus didn't presuppose upon the man's intentions. And here's the other thing. You realize that when there are miracle stories in the Bible, it's not there to show us how powerful Jesus was to heal. When the when the uh, when the gospel writers want to make that point, they simply say that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil or that the whole town came out to him and he healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. But when it tells a, st- a specific story, it's because the way the 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 gospel writers are telling the story, they want to enlighten you to something. So really, blind Bartimaeus is like most of us who just let life happen to us without intention. We're just blind by the side of the road, just taking whatever happens, whatever comes our way. But yet we're crying out inside for something more. There's something driving us. There's something there is something of the divine spark inside of every single person that says, I can break out of my box. I can break out of my limitations. I don't have to settle for less. I can go for more. I can rise higher. But I got to be able to see. But see, here's the point. He had to decide what he wanted before he got his sight. So we don't, the way to live in the spirit is not making your lists of pros and cons and talking to everybody and getting counsel and then making a decision. The way you live in the spirit is you search your own heart for what you want. And it's not enough to say, Have mercy on me. It's not enough to say, Lord, bless me. It's not enough to say, Lord, increase me. Because it's not it's not focused enough. It's not I mean, there's a sea of potentialities out there. You've got to you got to narrow it down by setting the power of your intention, by making a commitment and saying, This is what I want. And so you search your heart, you find out what you want, and then you just set the intention. You just you this is what I intend to have. <laughs> This is the decision I made. And then all of a sudden the light comes on. Now here's the great thing. You can always change your decision. If you set your intention and the light comes on and you start walking down that path, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. This this isn't what I signed up for. Because sometimes what we think we want isn't really what we want. And that will paralyze you too. What if this isn't the will of God? (laughs) What if I don't really want this? Well, then you know what? You need to learn and grow. Sorry. Sorry. And you know how you're going to learn and grow? Not by sitting in the paralysis of analysis. You're going to learn and grow by making a decision and letting the light come on. And maybe you find out, wow, that was a mistake. But you know what? Mistakes are not failures. Mistakes are learning opportunities. And they're opportunities for growth. And so if you make a wrong decision... And you go forward in it and you find out, wow, this created a mess. This isn't what I wanted. Guess what? Life handed you exactly what you needed in order to grow and mature and develop into the person that God wants you to be. So even with the wrong decision, you can't lose because light comes as soon as you make the decision. So you can be dealing with a situation that's so difficult and trying that you just don't know how to go forward. I just don't know how to go forward here. I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction to go. Set your intention. When you set your intention, then the light comes on and you begin to find a way where before it appeared that there was no way. It really is that simple, guys. It really is that simple as just setting your intention and then trusting that providence will move too. And that when providence moves too, then you've got material assistance on coming on the way. You've got connections with the right people. And the, all kinds of synchronicities begin to happen being born out of the power of that intent. Does that make sense to you? Just by deciding, you act you activate the way for it to happen. How about this? Psalm 37 verses 4 and 6. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. Right? Then it says this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. But trust isn't the best translation there. Rest actually is a better translation. Commit your way to the Lord and rest. And see, this is where I think we miss it. Because we set an intention and we want it's got to be something we want. It's got to be something that has the energy of your passion. If it doesn't have the energy of your passion, it's not going to manifest. So it can't be something that you should do or should want or should have because that's constricting. Maybe you should have it, but you don't want it. There's no passion. There's no energy to manifest it. So you've got to make that energetic connection with what you're passionate about, with what you love with what you want, right? So you may, you put that desire out there, and then here's where we mess it up. We get excited, and we tr- start trying to figure out ways to force it to happen. And you can do that in any number of ways. You can get out there, and you can move out prematurely. You can decide you want a new job, and so you just go quit your current job, <laughs> and your new job is six months down the road or whatever. I mean, you see what I'm saying? And so you're trying to force it. Um, you want a promotion, so you try start trying to figure out how can I manipulate in these relationships and these situations so that I can manipulate to get what I want. You're trying to force it. You're not resting. You're not trusting or we can use a lot of spiritual energy. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, this is going to happen. And we're going to war against the powers of darkness, and we're going to fight against this thing over here, and we're going to fight against that thing over there, and we're going to to stir up, and we're going to praise and worship and stir up all this energy, and we're going to make it happen, bless God. Force. (laughs) You see it? But Jesus said the kingdom doesn't operate that way. He says you plant the seed... And then by itself, the earth produces it. The earth produces it. So what if planting our seed is putting our intention out there? And what if the ground, what if the ground is the world that's full of worms? <laughs> You see what I'm saying? It's full of provision for you. It's full of supply for you. And when you put it out there, something happens that causes the, the, you know, people in the New Age movement would say the universe responds. But something happens that creation responds to you and begins to bring to you all by itself what you want. And the moment you try to force it is the moment you mess it up. And so there has to be room made for what we might call the law of allowing something to happen. The law of allowance. I'm going to stay in non-resistance. And I'm going to allow the process to work. I'm going to allow it to come to pass in my life. So I'm going to set my intention. I want whatever. Whatever. And I'll put it in there and I'll be watching for that light to shine on my path, but I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to make it happen. I'm not going to beat life into submission and make it give it to me. I'm going to relax and I'm going to look for those synchronicities and I'm going to begin to allow the process to work. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to trust the world that God put me in. I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to allow these things to begin to happen rather than trying to force them to happen. Yes. And the moment I take my hand off, the moment, I, the moment I let go, it's like something begins to work. See, I'm finding out the older I get, the higher my need for safety and security. <laughs> In regards to decisions And so sometimes when I make decisions, I want to sit down and go through my lists pros and cons I want to get everybody's advice. I want to you know, talk it to death and then okay Let's make a decision now because it feels safe to me But then we make the decision and all of a sudden I don't feel safe So I got to make it happen Because I'm responding out of my own insecurities or you know, um it's like, it's like an acrobat, you know, sometimes they're, they're swinging and there's partners swinging and they let go and do a flip or something and their partner catches them, right? And they got to let go of that other bar and trust the process and trust that they're going to be caught and if they're not caught, there's a net. <laughs> so God will even catch you if you fall. But I want that hand before I let go of that bar. So I'm sometimes like, well, I want life to give me something, and it, there it is. And I'm like swinging and holding on to the bar. like Because <laughs> I want to I grab it by the hand, and then once I got it by the head, oh, okay, now I'll let go of that. See? And so not only do I have to relax and trust the process, But this is really key. This is really, really key. And this is why it's got to be something you really want. Because I've got to be willing to let go of what life has given me up to this point. In order to receive what life wants to give me in the future. I have to. I have to be willing to say, okay, I'm willing to let go of the old. I'm willing to let go of this so that I can have what I've set my intention towards that's out there that's coming to me. But there's no way it's ever going to come to me as long as I cling to this over here. So here's another really important part of this. The hardest thing to let go of is not a relationship. The hardest thing to let go of is not an idea or a belief. The hardest thing for us, the thing that we cling to above all else... Not money, not even safety and security. The thing that we cling to above all else is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and who we believe ourselves to be. That we have to be willing. See, if if life is a byproduct of what we've been sowing and we want something different, we have to reinvent ourselves for the life that we believe is coming. We have to reinvent ourselves for the life that we believe is coming. See, if I'm always telling myself a story of hardship, always telling myself a story of how I missed it here or missed it there, always telling myself a story about how I can't or nothing's going to happen for me or the other shoe. This is one of my favorites. The other shoe just always seems to drop. Just when I feel like I get back on my feet, something knocks me down again. So I get back on my feet and I'm like, where's where's it coming from? <laughs> I don't know if life's done you that way, but that's been part of my belief system. So that becomes part of my story, right? I don't know what it is about me. And we invent all kinds of things. Well, it must just be the devil. You know, I'm so anointed, so influential. The future's so bright. It's just got to be the devil attacking me, right? When really I'm just comfortable with that story of hardship, like addicted to it or something. And so part of what I have to let go of is my idea of who I am. And then begin the process through thinking, through feeling, through imagining of reinventing myself into who I will be once the outcome I've intended to have shows up. So that when it's there, I'm ready to meet it. And I got to I got to realize there's a process to this. There's not, you know, I set my intent and two weeks later it didn't happen. So I'm all but hurt. Sorry. Okay. Never mind. Sorry, mom. She's not here to look at me anymore, but I still hear a voice in my head. <laughs> Sorry, Jules. <coughs> But here's what he said, the earth will produce it by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And then when the harvest is ripe, I put in the sickle and reap. So I've got to set my intention. i got to trust the synchronicities. i got to let go of what I had before. I've got to be willing to reinvent myself with less limitations and more possibilities. And then I've got to wait till the situation matures. So that when the situation matures and the harvest is ripe, then I can put in the sickle and reap. Not ahead of time, in due season. Does that make sense to you? I mean, does that, does that fit somewhere for you in your life? If you don't get anything else out, just start asking yourself the question, what do I want? Make it a habit. What do I want from this conversation? What do I want from this interaction? What do I want from this church service? How many of you set an intention before you came that you were going to get something? That you were going to hear something that was going to change your life? Or that you were going to receive something that you needed from God? The best therapist I ever had said, I won't meet with you until you have a clear intention about what you want to get out of the therapy session. And at that point, the therapist didn't even matter. (laughs) Because whatever that person had to give me, I'm going to draw out of them through the power of my intention, just by their just by them showing up. So just getting in the habit: what do I want? Setting my intention. What do I want? Setting my intention, and then trusting life and trusting the process. Just relaxing, just chilling out, not trying to figure out all the ins and outs and whys and hows. Because, and, see, he said he puts the seed in the ground and it springs up and it grows. He does not know how. But, see, when you're living in a place of force, you think you've got to figure out how is this going to work? How is this going to happen? How am I going to get there? But, see, life in the Spirit doesn't work that way. Because as soon as you add your how, you add your limitation. One more story, and just to make the point. There's a story about Naaman the Syrian who had uh, leprosy. And somebody told him there was a prophet in Israel that could heal him. It's Elisha, right? So they go get Elisha the prophet, and he comes to Naaman, gets off his chariot, goes over to Naaman, who's a ruler, a king. And... He says, I want to, you know, be healed of my leprosy. And he said, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. And he got mad. It's interesting in the story. He got mad and he said, I thought surely you would show up, you would wave your hand, you'd do some kind of spell or whatever, and I'd suddenly be well. And he he got mad and he wasn't going to do what the prophet told him. And somebody had to come along and say, I think if I'm getting the story right, just popped into my head. I haven't looked at it lately. Somebody had to tell him, look, what do you have to lose? So he goes and dips in the Jordan seven times and he gets healed. But see, he almost messed up the whole process because he had a preconceived idea. He had added his limitation to how it was going to happen. And that preconceived idea almost limited him from being able to receive what he wanted to receive. Because when we get focused on the how, we're no longer open. See, really, it's just as simple. I set my intention and then I'm open for that intention to happen. And I'm not stressing and struggling with all the process. Could it really be that simple? I think it is. (laughs) Does that make sense? I'm done early today, so... You have to forgive me. But let's stand up and we'll pray. <laughs> it does. Kevin said it averages out. <laughs> let's just take an open posture, if you would, if you're willing. Just kind of take an open posture. Let's just welcome the presence of the Lord, his angels, all that heaven has to bring download into our lives. In fact, just open up right now, Lord, I just thank you for a download from your spirit into us. Download of whatever it is that we need right now. All the different intentions that are here represented, all the different wants, needs, and desires, all the different potentialities that are out there for us. Lord, I thank you that you meet each one in a unique way, in a powerful way, in a specifically uniquely designed way. And let us receive now those downloads From heaven, Lord, reconnect us to our hearts, reconnect us to our passions, reconnect us to our desires, reconnect us to our wants. Help us get clear. And I bless your people today, Lord. I bless them with all that is within me that's good and pure and holy and of you. And I ask for your presence, your anointing, your protection, your favor your goodness, your mercy manifesting all around them in every way, every day. In Jesus' name, amen.